Well, hello, fellas. That was weak. Try this again. This time, say it like you're in unity. Hello, fellas. Wow. You know, when you're up here, I was talking to the band at dinner, it's like a wall of sound coming at you when you guys are singing. Imagine, imagine, imagine what it will be like when the sons of God come into their full inheritance and they're joined with the lion who roars. The earth is groaning for that day. Heaven eagerly awaiting that day. Imagine what it will be like. No Marvel movie will ever compare. (laughs) Well, I am Eddie Smith. Those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm one of the elders at Beltway Park. And uh, I will just tell you, fellas, I'm proud of you. We're proud of you. You're here. You made it. You're almost through the weekend. (laughs) Had some transformational change. It's been amazing. I have the privilege of walking with my fellow elders, and we've been praying for this for a long time. Well, uh, maybe about 18 months. Uh, and so I want to invite Larry Bruner, uh, one of our other elders, to come up for a minute. He has something to share. And those of you who've ever heard Larry Bruner speak, when he's got something to share, it's worth hearing. And while he slowly hobbles up here, old man, come on. I will share that Larry Bruner is my father-in-law. Pray for me. Pray for me. You got it? Can you hear me? No. <laughs> but we did answer you, so. <laughs> it's on. There you go. Okay. Apparently, it's on. Can you hear me now? Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm one of those guys that made you get a COVID test. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for not letting sticking a swab up your nose keep you from what God had for you yeah, this weekend. Yeah, no kidding. Thank you for loving your brothers enough to get your nose swabs, okay? (laughs) We appreciate that sacrifice. Uh, Over here on this ridge, there is a cross, and there's a nice trail up there. It's farther than it looks, by the way, because that cross is bigger than it looks. (laughs) But it's a great walk. And yesterday I took that walk, and on the way down, the Lord gave me a precious word. Uh about what he does. And I thought, man, that's so sweet. Uh, uh, I need, uh, Lord, would you give me some place to share it? And he said, this is that place. This is from the Gospel of John. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He uses the name of God. I am that I am. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Then he asked Martha, do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the the Christ, the Son of God, 
who's coming into the world. Very few people could have said that at that point. Martha knows who Jesus is. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, you remember the story about her brother Lazarus. Lazarus got sick, and they appealed for Jesus to come and heal him, and Jesus took his time. Jesus waited for him to die. Uh, that's not the kind of rescue I want. But Jesus does what the Father shows him to do, and he says what the Father gives him to say. With that principle of obedience and service, he saved the world. He's asking the same thing of you and me. Will you do what I say? Will you speak the words I give you to say? Jesus, deeply moved, came to the tomb of Lazarus. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. My brother's getting kind of ripe. You don't really want to open that up. It stinks. King James says, he stinketh. Martha doesn't have to use her imagination to know what's in there. There's a rotting carcass in there. There's disease in there. There's darkness. There's death. It's a horrible place, and you don't want to uncover it, Jesus. Now, this is the woman who just said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, and she's trying to give him advice about what to do. Does that sound familiar to any of us here? You want to tell the Lord how he should run his show. Jesus said to her, his infinite patience, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came out. <laughs> the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Are you beginning to see the application this has at boot camp? In our hearts, some of us are saying, Jesus, you don't want to go into that place where I am. You don't want to go into that into that darkness and into that death and in that mess and that disease and that suffering that's there. You don't want to go in there. You want to keep the stone in place. We don't run a, yeah, I stinketh. Thank you. 
You don't want to roll that back. Don't, don't, don't go there. Martha says that knowing who Jesus is, but she doesn't know yet what Jesus does. You can know who he is, but you've got to know what he does. That was what Rodney was talking about, kingdom power. You can know he's king. Now you need to know what the kingdom is about. Jesus is here to demonstrate this. My brother once said, my brother is 10 years older than I am. If you can imagine anybody still living who's that old. My brother once said, you know, if Jesus hadn't specified Lazarus come forth, every grave on earth would have opened up. That's true. He just said, I am the resurrection and the life. Not somebody else. I am. And the resurrection and the life is calling to you tonight to come out. Come out of that place of darkness, that place of death, that place of disease and suffering and sin, that dark place you don't want uncovered. He makes dead men live. He makes dead men come alive. He makes men who feel worthless and empty and lost. He gives them life because of who he is. But we know who he is. We got to know what he does. And he wants to demonstrate that in your life, in your own circumstances, in the place where you are right now. He wants to show you he's almighty God, the resurrection, and the life. Thank you. I told you. And while I made the joke about him hobbling up here, did you catch the fact that he climbed that mountain? <laughs> Love you, Larry Burner. Because he couldn't have queued it up better. I'm here to talk to you about freedom in Christ. You might know a thing or two about that. You might have heard of that before. Since Rodney left me only the crumbs to talk about, Have you noticed that, that Hogue smiles and nods? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he'll drop these little solid gold gems on your lap, and then he'll just smile and nod. <laughs> Except today he was dropping solid gold boulders onto our lap, and then he was just watching us trying to get out from underneath them. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Ronnie. <laughs> oh my goodness, it was so good. So amazing. So amazing. Time to come out of the lobby, fellas. In that story of Lazarus, there's a moment. Did you catch it? There's a moment when Lazarus is no longer dead but he is not yet free. Because what's he wearing? Yeah, he's been wrapped up. He's, he's dead. They wrapped him up as is their custom, put him in the tomb. He comes out like he's like a mummy. <laughs> yeah. It's 
probably some humor there. Jesus is like, Lazarus, come out. He's like, I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, he's not yet free. The first thing he tells his disciples, what does he say? Unwrap him, unwrap him, and let him go. Holy Spirit, unwrap us. Unwrap us. We're going to talk about what it means to be actually free. And I'm not talking about the kind of freedom where you get to do what you want to do. I'm talking about a different kind of freedom. The kind Jesus brings us is not the kind for us to do whatever we want to do. Haven't you enjoyed this weekend? Man, every speaker just raised the bar. <laughs> Spent all day sitting back there going, what do I do now? <laughs> you need a pole vault to clear that bar now. Man. And I love how everybody brings their own little fingerprint to each story, each testimony, different. Um, when they told me that I was going to give the Freedom Talk, which I've never given before. Those of you who've been to boot camp before, it's the first time I've given the Freedom Talk. And I thought, well, uh, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do there, but uh, at least I can hide behind some really awesome movie clips. For those of you who have never been to boot camp before, we used to fill them with movie clips. Have you noticed that something's missing? Yeah, so I can't hide behind that anymore. Thanks, Rodney Ritter. The other talk I've never given at boot camp, by the way, is the poser talk. And you know, I've thought about that a lot. They've never asked me to give the poser talk. Well, that can mean only one of two things. Either I'm living in such authenticity that I have nothing to say about the poser, or I'm so deep in it that I have nothing to say about the poser. Oh, my goodness. Did you catch in the poser talk? We had a guy who runs a salvage yard and a plumber talking to us about our junk and our crap. <laughs> like, that metaphor wasn't lost on me. <laughs> that was awesome. Okay. So no movie clips. But believe me, I spent hours looking for some perfect movie clip. I was like, I'm going to be the one who brings this awesome, you know, spike it in the end zone movie clip. Confession time. I couldn't really find a good one. And believe me, my inner geek tried really, really hard to work in that scene from Avengers Endgame when Captain America summons Thor's hammer. I thought, surely I could work freedom in Christ into that somehow. My geeky brothers, I have failed you. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to have to tell you a story instead. And while I tell this story, I'm going to call on my leadership team brothers to pass out some cards and make sure everybody's got something to write with. Uh, if you guys could be doing that while I tell the story. 
Oh yeah, heads up, by the way, I'm gonna ask you guys to pass out cards. <laughs> Just slipped my mind, you know. I was, I was distracted by steak. They also didn't tell me that you all would be in food comas when I did this, so. So here's a little hint as we go along. This goes faster if you respond. Okay, all right, here's the story. As they're coming around, they make sure everybody get, got something to write with, and you're going to need a card. Um, there once was a boy who grew up on the edge of a wide and turbulent river. And he spent his childhood learning how to build rafts. And when the boy got better and better at his skill of building rafts, he never once crossed the river. But he perfected his craft. And when he reached manhood, he decided it was time to explore the other side of the river. So he felled some trees, worked his craft, lashed them together, and riding a raft of his own making, he sailed across the river to the far side. And because he had spent so long working on this raft, <clears throat> he couldn't see leaving it behind when he reached the dry land. So he picked it up and he lashed the raft to his shoulders and carried it with him. He carried that raft with him, thinking he might need it again. Although all he ever came across in his explorations was a few tiny streams and a couple of puddles. He carried the raft, and he tried not to think about the things he was missing out because he had this thing on his back this bulky raft, trees he couldn't climb, mountains he couldn't hike up, vistas he couldn't see, people he couldn't get close to, races he'd never run. And he didn't even realize how heavy the raft was because he had, known, he had never known what it was like to not carry it while exploring. Is that you? Are you carrying burdens because you don't know how to set it down? You're not sure how to get free from it? Burdens like stress, anxiety, indignity, sin, unforgiveness, offense. Maybe you're afraid to put it down. Maybe you're afraid to live without it. Maybe that's your deepest fear. Maybe your burden is a past you can't change. Maybe you're burdened by addictions that trip you up again and again and again. Maybe you're hurting so much you're self-medicating. And I'm not just talking about drugs and alcohol, although those are definitely self-medications, porn, food, you name it. Maybe you're escaping through hobbies or just numbing life by watching Netflix all the time. Even if it's Avengers movies. No, now I'm stepping on toes. We all have hang-ups, guys. We all have things that we get tangled in. We all 
get ensnared by the enemy. Many of us are chained by addictions. And I dare say most of us carry the heavy weight of the bulky raft of self-provision because we are too scared that we would be in need if we put it down. As if your heavenly father doesn't know what you need. That's orphan thinking. We act like orphans. What if I don't have enough? Some of you were thinking that when they were passing around those steaks. That was a cheap shot, sorry. <laughs> this is why we need to be free. And I've been to a lot of boot camps, 12 years worth. And I always thought this talk was about getting free from stuff. And it is. I always thought Jesus came to set us free from stuff. And he did. Except there's more. In case Rodney's preview didn't clue you in. The Lord doesn't want to just set you free from stuff. He has something else in store for you. In Luke chapter 4, there's a story of Jesus coming to the synagogue in his own hometown in Nazareth. And he is uh, reading from the scroll in the synagogue, which is an honor uh, kind of thing. He's an honored guest in the synagogue. And he chooses the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he reads the passage in the scroll. This is what the passage says. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the captives free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he sits back down at the synagogue, and after he sits down, he just says loudly to the, everyone in the room, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Mic drop, you know, just like, whoa, what did he just say? Obviously, this was a total mic drop moment for Jesus. The religious leaders completely incensed that he would say that. Um, but what did he actually say? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Is the Spirit of the Lord upon you? Well, I thought I'd get a little something there. All right, you guys are slipping into the food coma, right? You're starting to get the meat sweats? Okay. And then he talks about freedom, freedom for the prisoners, setting captives free. And the word that's used there is a Greek word, aphasis, aphasis, say aphasis, aphasis. Aphasis. It means to be released. It means to be set free. It means to be pardoned. To be released from bondage or imprisonment. It's a letting go. It's a word that means letting go. Yeah, 
released. And truly, Jesus did come to give us that kind of freedom. Freedom from the past we can't change. Freedom from the bondage of addiction. Freedom from attitudes that entrap us and cause us to engage with other people in ways that don't honor God. And you've heard a number of stories this weekend of examples of that, and we all do it. Those thoughts that so frequently flood our mind, you can be released from those things. You know the ones, the ones that tell us that we're worthless, that we'll never have what it takes, that we'll never measure up. Can't tell you how many times I've had those thoughts. I'm a librarian speaking to 300 guys at boot camp. Do I have what it takes? (laughs) Well, here's the cool thing. It doesn't matter because I've been set free of that thought. So the thought, you know the one, my life will never be different. Bill, where are you? You probably thought at some time that your life would never be different. I can't really see you, but I know you're over here somewhere. Well, you moved, brother. Okay. Love you, man. All right. Yeah. Your life will never be different. You know all those thoughts. We all have them. There are times in my life when those things held me captive, made me a slave. And praise God, you can be set free of all those things. Like Lazarus, God is calling you out of that tomb tonight. Come out. You don't have to be dead there anymore. And then it's not enough to be called back to life. Because then Jesus takes it to the next level and sets us truly free. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is happiness. Is that what it says? No. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is rainbows and lollipops. No. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Say it like you're in the cast of Braveheart. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. That movie was 20, it's 20 years old, just FYI. Like, it's still good. Yeah, okay. If you've come here in this weekend, you've realized that you're in bondage to some stuff. You can have that. You can have freedom. If you realize you've never been set free from all those things that hold you captive and have held you captive for years, maybe decades, maybe, tonight's your night. You can be set free. Those addictions, those hang-ups, past you can't change. Ask the Holy Spirit to baptize you afresh. It's the power of his presence that sets you free. Did you hear that? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Those things are broken in Jesus' name. Jesus already paid the price for them. He's just waiting for you to hand them over. Give Jesus his stuff. Stop carrying it around. He bought it from you. (laughs) Why are you hauling it around? He's waiting to pick it up. (laughs) Why don't you drop it off? 
Invite the Holy Spirit into all those places. Invite the Spirit of the Lord to come upon you. You surrender them. It seems totally counterintuitive that in a talk about freedom, we're talking about surrendering, right? Because we've all seen Braveheart. How do you win your freedom? You fight, right? I, you can warn, and you may live, and fight, and you may die, right? Oh, that's crappy Scottish accent, but it's not bad for a librarian. Come on. Right? The world tells you that if you want freedom, you have to fight for it. We're firm believers of that in America. Except the kingdom of God doesn't work that way. The kingdom of God is completely opposite. If you want freedom, you got to yield. If you want freedom, you got to surrender. I know it's backwards. It's squirrely. But you can take it up with the Lord when you get to see him. I'm just, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> right, Rodney? I'm not, I'm not telling you it's true. I'm just telling you it's what the Bible says. kingdom of God works the opposite. You got to surrender it over. You have to yield it. You have to let the spirit of the Lord into that place. You have to let the spirit of the Lord have that thing. You have to let the spirit be Lord over that thing in your life. Because another way you can translate 2 Corinthians 3.17 is this. For where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. There's a little gold plate, you know, a solid gold nugget in your lap. <laughs> and then in John 8, 36, Jesus says... I've come to set you free. When the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. But here's the interesting thing I learned, something cool while I was prepping this talk. That Greek word that we said was to be released, aphesis, is not the same word that's used in John 8 when Jesus talks about freedom. This is the coolest thing. Well, the word that's used there is a different Greek word. It still translates into English as free or freedom. It's a different Greek word. John uses this word when he, when he writes chapter 8. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are my, true, my, truly you are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That Greek word is eleutheria. What a beautiful word. You say it like you're speaking Elvish. Eleutheria. Eleutheria. Eleutheria in ancient Greece was the goddess of liberty. And it is the Greek word for the personification of liberty. Jesus is saying we can become so free that we become the personification of liberty. Not just free from things that hold us back, 
but actually become the personification of liberty itself. Not just free from something, but free to become something else. Jesus wants to set you free from stuff, absolutely. And I don't want to understate that. That's really important. You can get free. But he also wants to set you free to become someone else. Rodney kind of cued this up in the last talk. I want you to hear the story of my dear friend, Rick Harris. Rick, where are you? I'm blinded up here. Come on up, Rick. (laughs) Rick's going to talk to you about getting free of something and getting free to something else. Larry took the microphone. Bring it back, Larry. Rick Harris. Okay, I made a couple of note cards to try and keep me somewhat on track. Because if not, I can go way away. (laughs) All right, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about the Rick Harris that none of you guys know. I was raised in a cult. My dad was in the leadership of that cult. Um, Because of that, I had to be the poster boy in there. Um, He was not a loving father, and he was super strict, and he did not spare the rod, we can say. Uh, Between the two, the cult and my dad, I had to perform often and perfectly. I was introduced to porn at the age of seven. I was sexually abused by family members and neighbors when I was a child. At the age of 21, I escaped and rebelled and lived my life according to the gospel of Rick. It worked out great. (laughs) Anything my dad or the church said don't do, I did, and I made up for lost time. Drugs, alcohol, sexual addiction, uh, pretty much anything I could get into. And I literally began to fail at everything I ever tried to do in my life. I didn't know it at the time, but I found out I was trying to fill a big hole inside of me. Um, That void never got smaller um, besides the substances, alcohol and tobacco and drugs and whatever else I could find. It was women. And Found one, married her, had a kid, divorced her because she wasn't filling the void. Remarried her so I could have my kid that she took and had another kid and then divorced her and I got the kids. Married somebody else, she got pregnant, said it was my kid, it really wasn't, and we got divorced. Married somebody else, divorced her, Married somebody else. You see this track, there's five divorces and five marriages in there. 
trying to fill this hole and none of them worked. And I didn't understand. I would <laughs> blame, oh, she did this and she did this and that's why that marriage didn't work or that one didn't work. Looking back, there was one common denominator. That was me. But I could not look at myself. Of course, I was spiraling hugely out of control. Many times, I thought about suicide. Lots of different times. At age 26, I actually um, parked way out in the desert in my vehicle, ran a hose from the exhaust pipe into the car, figured I'd take me a nap. Woke up, whoop, there it is. Woke up with the sheriff pulling me out of the back of the vehicle and spent some time in a mental health facility. After that, my parents took both of my daughters, got a court injunction, knew that judges was not allowed to see them. The little girls were three and one and a half at that time. That sent me further down into addiction. More and more drugs, lots of jobs. And Spence and spent some time in prison. I was lost. Um, decided I was gonna move to another town, start over, right? Um, that's what we do, new scenery, it's gonna get better. Um, I met a girl named Misty. We were both extremely lost, but hey, the sex was good. Um, not too long into that relationship, we got married, and I could see the failure coming. It was just right over there. I could see it, and I didn't know what to do about it, really. Um, her dad passed away. We were living in Wichita Falls at the time. Her dad passed away, and we, she's from Clyde, so we moved down to this area, and that's where... Um, her dad, after her dad passed away, we moved down here and we had a conversation. She was like, you know, we need to find a church because when one of us dies, who's going to bring us some meals? <laughs> so we went looking, we put our own little rules down. It's like, well, we don't want to dress up. We don't want to, you know, have it too churchy. So we started going to the Cowboy Church out in Clyde. Uh, my wife found a friend of hers that she grew up with and said that she was talking to her about her marriage and how rough it was and got told about re-engage. And so she, she said, we're going to go to re-engage. And I'm like, well, okay, let's go to that thing. And we started going and we would sit near the back and just laugh our butts off because there's these people doing this. 
you know, raising their hands while they're singing and stuff. And it's like, what are they doing? You know, neither of us were raised like that. And, and it was just hilarious to us. Um, one day, I don't know, we we're probably five or six weeks into re-engage. I came home from work and she was standing on the front porch with a handful of money and a piece of paper said they were talking about boot camp and other women said their men have been changed, so you're going. <laughs> so in May 2013, the first boot camp that was here, that was my first boot camp, we didn't go to that church, so I didn't know anybody except for who was in that re-engage group, and they weren't here um, for the most part. So Thursday night, I remember right back there on that brick wall where Bill has been sitting, facing out is where I sat. They were showing a video of John Eldridge that first Thursday night, and I didn't watch it. I didn't hear it. I was just, why am I here? What's going on? Um, the next morning I got up and I think we were waiting for breakfast. It's funny, I made some notes in my phone and those notes have actually transferred from one phone to another, to another, to another. Came across this not that long ago, a note from that Friday morning, May 17th. It says, like yesterday, I'm feeling lonely. Everyone seems to already have their groups. I said hi to a few people that I know, and off to the, they went with their friends. I guess that's part of not going to their church with them. I'm not a part of a group. <clears throat> Maybe as the day goes on with different meetings, it will be different. There's a huge herd of guys waiting to go in for breakfast, some 7.30 shotgun start. Meals are supposed to be family style. They're late opening the doors. Hopefully we'll eat something. <laughs> Our fire team met last night, I suppose, to throw, supposed to, what's that say? Oh, I guess we'll see if it's a team thing or if I'm left alone more. The door is open. I guess I'll try and eat. So that was kind of what I was feeling at that time. Um, Friday, second session, there was worship music. And I was sitting right over here where Tommy Clemens is. Raise your hand. Right about over there. Um, they sang, started doing some worship songs and people were doing this. I'm shaking my head. I don't know any of these songs. <laughs> um, and I felt a voice, heard a voice in my head. The Lord told me, raise your hands, surrender to me. And I did. 
And the Holy Spirit came upon me and knocked me out cold right back there, laying on that concrete. And it was during the, the Great I Am song. We were talking about that earlier today, that song. And the Lord, my Savior, introduced himself to me. That began my walk towards freedom. I went home, <laughs> told my wife, well, first I got out of the truck and I fell to my knees and apologized and asked her to forgive me and then said, we're going to start going to Beltway. <laughs> got involved with Beltway, re-engaged. We went through a couple of times more have facilitated groups, whatnot, gotten involved in men's ministry. Um, through that walk starting in May of 2013, I was able to get a lot of freedom from some things. One, I hated my parents for stealing my daughters. I hadn't talked to them for pretty close to 20 years. Um, I was able to get rid of that. Lifelong porn addiction and sex addiction that I had had for about 40 years. My anger and basically just having no hope at all. But besides getting freedom from some things, I got freedom to some things. I have a wonderful relationship with both of my daughters. We see each other frequently. We text each other, make phone calls. Um, I have a beautiful granddaughter from one of my daughters. And they are a wonderful part of my life. My mom passed away two days after that boot camp. So I was never able to talk to her. But I know from the Lord that she knows that, that we are good, but I was able to forgive my dad face to face. And we had a good relationship the last four years of his life. All of my five previous marriages, none of them lasted more than a year and a half. My marriage to Misty here in October 10th will be 11 years. And that's all God. <laughs> it's not me. The other thing is my job. I always kind of felt after 2013 and finding the Lord that I was going to be in some kind of ministry. And almost three years ago, the Lord told me, CPS. And I said, no, you're confused. <laughs> I do not want to work with CPS. Um, that's just not it. But... He made it very clear that that's where I'm supposed to be. Um, and it's funny, they kind of asked me while I was in training, hey, you want to specialize into drug cases? And I kind of thought about it, and I'm like, eh, you know what? That's not a bad idea, because that's a whole lot better than a sexual abuse case or a physical abuse. So let's do that. Um, most people that catch a CPS case, they feel like we're there to look down upon them, judge them, and all of that. 
And I get to walk into this house, and I'm like, look, I'm the last person to ever try and walk in and judge you because I was hooked on meth. I've done time. I lost my kids. Who am I to look down on you? And my life has been redeemed. It has been turned around. I have a badge to work for the state of Texas, which means I passed an FBI background check, which I should have never done because I know what's back there. <laughs> so I get to testify to these families, and they work with me really well. And I have seen so many families put back together because of the power of this testimony. In closing, they tell what the enemy meant for evil. He turned it for good. Thank you, brothers. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. It's bad enough I had to follow Rodney. Now I got to follow Rick. When you know the truth, the truth sets you free. You know, after Jesus said that, all the Jewish believers who were there with him said, Jesus, we've never been slaves to anyone, which is a funny thing for a Jewish person to say, because <laughs> there was that whole 400-year thing in Egypt and, you know, the whole governed by the Romans thing and, you know, but okay, all right, well, you know, they may have just been speaking of themselves, Okay. We've never been slaves to anyone. And Jesus replies, truly, I tell you, everyone who sins, now I have your attention, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And we're really fond of the verse that comes the sentence that comes a few sentences later where he says, and when the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. But do you ever listen to what he said in between? Listen to this. Truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. A slave has no permanent place in the home. But a son belongs to it forever. But a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are eleutheria. You are Eleutheria. You are the embodiment of liberty because you too are a son. Jesus offers you freedom, not just from stuff, but to something else, for someone else. How many of you have ever seen the movie uh, Coach Carter? Yeah, I got one basketball fan in the room. <laughs> it's this amazing poem that gets quoted in the movie. If you've seen the movie, it's a troubled kid. They're all troubled kids in the movie. 
Uh, Coach Carter himself isn't exactly, you know, it's Samuel L. Jackson, so, you know, there's a lot of F-bombs and things, but I'm not recommending you go watch the movie. But this one troubled kid throughout the whole movie, Coach Carter keeps asking him, what's your deepest fear? What's your deepest fear? He asks him over and over again. What's your deepest fear? Is it that you're inadequate? That's what he asks him. The kid finally figures out that that's a line from a poem by Marianne Williamson. I'm going to read you this poem. Just let it speak into and over you. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant or gorgeous or talented or fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a son of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people feel less insecure when they're around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in all of us. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our very presence automatically liberates others. That is Eleutheria. So tonight, what do you need to be free of? If you need to be free from some stuff, we can do that. But if you want to be free to become someone new, you can do that. You can do that. What do you need from the Holy Spirit? He has everything you need. It's a good place to start. What do you need from the Holy Spirit? You can't get free without him. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me so I can set the captives free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You're not going to get free without the Holy Spirit. You're not going to get free without the Spirit's presence. The presence of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives is evidence that he's at work. Do you see that evidence in your life? We don't strive to produce fruit so that we can become someone. We actually become someone, and then fruit gets produced. The Holy Spirit has it all. Don't you understand that? You struggle with sin, the Holy Spirit is righteous. He's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> He's righteous. And righteousness is the antidote to our sin. You don't have to struggle with sin because of yourself. 
you can. We struggle with sin, not, not through anything we do. We struggle with sin because we don't yet have enough of the Holy Spirit. You wrestle with hatred towards other people. These days it's easy if they're on a different political plane than you. Right? You don't wrestle with hatred. You just don't yet have enough of the love of the Holy Spirit. You don't have a hate problem. You have an absence of love problem. <laughs> Which part? <laughs> so I'm back up to the beginning. Hi, I'm Eddie Smith. <laughs> you don't have a hate problem. Your issue is you don't yet have enough love. I read those cards out there you guys all wrote on Thursday night, and a bunch of you, I mean a bunch of you, it was a running theme, probably one out of every three cards said something about I've lost my joy. Is that you? Put your hand up. Feel like you lost your joy. Hopefully you got some of it back this weekend. Yeah? <laughs> the Holy Spirit is joy. You know why he's so joyous? Have you seen the guys he hangs with? He's got Jesus on one side, Jesus who's always talking about the Father. Jesus is continually pointing at the Father. Do you know my Father? You need to meet my Father. Let me introduce you to my Father because my Father is an amazing guy. And then you got the Father on the other side who's like, do you know my Son? Let me introduce you to my Son because my Son is amazing. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit's between him going, do you, have you seen these two guys? <laughs> he is joy. You struggle with anxiety? No, you don't. You just don't yet have an, enough of the peace of the Holy Spirit. You got an anger problem? You don't have an anger problem. You have a patience shortage. The Holy Spirit has that in abundance. You know how I know that? Because he deals with me. Thought I'd get a little woohoo out of my... Brothers in the back row over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not posing now, am I? <laughs> yeah. You want to be less callous to your family? You don't have to work on that. You just need more of the kindness of the Holy Spirit. You struggling to be a better dad? You don't need to do that. You just need more of the goodness of the Holy Spirit because he's a good, good father. You don't have to stress about how to treat your wife, no matter what Randy Reese may have made you feel earlier. You don't have to stress about that. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit has gentleness. You just need more gentleness from the Holy Spirit. This is my favorite one. You have a lust problem that you can't control? Anybody? I'm the only one? Posers, every last one of you. <laughs> Except for these five guys who rose their hand right here. Yeah, got a lust problem you can't control? <laughs> the very last fruit of the Spirit. Wait for it. Self-control. Self -control. 
I don't need to wrestle my lust to the ground. I just need more of the Holy Spirit. Because he's got self-control. You know how I know he has self-control? Here's evidence that the Holy Spirit has self-control. I am told in Scripture that my, I am and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the place where he lives. How much self-control do you think it takes for the God of the universe, the God who speaks and the universe comes into being, to live inside you and not blow your molecules apart? You realize the God we're talking about here, right? This is the God who told Moses, you can't look on me, you'll die. Turn your face to the rock, and I'll just pass by, and I'll let you look at the end of my robe. And then he glowed for days. That's self-control. He comes and lives in you. Do you see how gentle he is? Do you understand that if the Lord wanted to fully come upon you, <laughs> you'd be a splat? <laughs> That's self-control. That's how much he loves you. Come on. He has it all. Invite him in. Make him Lord over those areas. For where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. Have we got time for five, minute, five more minutes? This is why they put me at the end of the day. I have a long history of blowing the schedule. So listen, those of you who put on your cards, there was a bunch of them about losing your joy or lost your joy or want to take back your joy. I, I, I want to share just something personal. This, this is a bit raw. I don't even know if I'm going to make it through this. Jesus, help me. Oh, Okay. But reading your cards the other night just really hit me. Because I've been on a journey for the last six months or so. Most of you, probably, I dare say almost all of you, none of you know this, mostly because COVID, you know, it's easy to sort of hide and deal with your own stuff quietly. Um, for the past 18 months, my family has been going through a very difficult time with my youngest daughter, who is now 20. <clears throat> she has struggled with anxiety and depression for a number of years, and when COVID hit, she, it just went off the rails. She's wrestling with her identity, rejecting her faith in God, <clears throat> And 3 John 1.4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And my baby girl, through her own volition, chose to turn her back on everything I hold dear. <laughs> it's been a struggle. And I know lots of you have had that struggle, and some of you have spoken encouragement into me because of it and through it and shared that with me, and I am so blessed by it. Thank you. 
And I know in my own life and in my own spiritual walk and in my own brain that she's an adult, she gets to choose. Those of you who know me and know my story, I was an atheist. (laughs) I, of all people, know that she can go there. It's okay. And as long as she's sincerely seeking the truth, she'll come around just like I did, except it's my baby girl. And I got to tell you, fellas, as a dad, it's, it's gutted me. It's just gutted me. It's just been heartbreaking. You layer on that some condemnation from the enemy about being an elder and an elder supposed to, you know, have control over his household and blah, 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 kicking my ass. Just heartbreaking. And here's why. Those of you know, and I've spoke at boot camp for years and years, I gave the identity talk. I was a firm believer in the new name thing. And that's a great story. I'll share my own story with you some other time. But I'm a firm believer that names have power. And we named my baby girl Abigail Joy. Joy, of course, is her middle name. But Abigail is Hebrew for father's joy. And she was the joy of my life. She was the kiddo who, no matter what we were doing, it was, do it again, Daddy, do it again. She was giggly. She was happy. She was always goofy. (laughs) You know, you'd swing her around, and she'd just giggle and say, do it again, Dad, do it again. That's all she, you know, that's, we were bonded. She was my joy. And the enemy worked his way in and deceived her. And in the process, I let that bastard steal my joy. My joy. For months and months. Until this past May, when I completely burnt out. And I'm not talking, I'm tired. I'm talking careen through the guardrail, off the cliff, free-flying into space. I went off the edge. Complete emotional and physical implosion. At work, in my business, at home, my own spiritual walk, with my friends, serving at church, you name it, I just imploded. Every aspect of my life completely burnt to a crisp. I won't go into all those details, but here's what I learned about burnout. I used to think burnout comes from the result of doing too much. But that's not, that was not my experience. In my experience, burnout comes from trying to give what you do not possess. Burnout is a state of emptiness, for sure. But it does not result from giving all that I have. It merely reveals the nothingness from which I was trying to give in the first place. I was empty. I was living in a place of emptiness. And gentlemen, that is not why Jesus died and rose from the grave. (laughs) He said, I've come that you would have life and have it sort of full. That's not what he said. (laughs) 
He said, I have come that you have life and that you have it to the full. He said, my life will be to you like a river of life flowing out of you. And this is where I connect it back to my story at the beginning. All that therapy. <laughs> I got some good professional help. <laughs> All that recovery. I have to laugh while I was putting this talk together. <laughs> was, was I realized it was because I was carrying the weight of that damn raft. Instead of looking at the river. It turns out it was about the river all along. <laughs> if that's you, if you've lost your joy, get in the river of the Holy Spirit. Joy is not connected with your circumstances at all. I'll say that again. You might write that down. Joy is not connected with your circumstances at all. The kingdom of God is not a matter of what you do or what happens to you. The kingdom of God, according to Romans 14, the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and, wait for it, joy in the Holy Spirit. The joy of the Lord is our strength, Nehemiah wrote. It's his joy that makes us strong. If you've lost your joy like I did, good, let it go. He has joy in abundance. Get his joy. His joy makes you strong. James writes that you should count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. That's a sucky verse. No one gets out of bed in the morning, feet on the floor, like, Jesus, thank you. I'm going to face trials of many kinds. Joy. No. You see, that's not joy. Joy is a strength that goes, supersedes your circumstances. Even when you are not yet free, you can still count it as joy. You can still put it in the joy column. That's what that means. When you're tabulating the pros and cons of your life, Put those things over in the joy column. Because they may not be joy yet, but the Lord turns them into that. How do I know that? You have no idea what the Lord may do with your, ultimately, with your suffering. You have no idea. You can't see that. Maybe it'll lead to an amazing testimony at boot camp. Maybe. And in giving one, you set other people free. Wouldn't that be incredible? Or maybe, like Paul, you may never be free again until you die. And I'm sure Paul at one point, you know, pouted in his little prison room, kicked over the chair. What the hell is this, God? trying to be out there serving you. Thought you called me to plant churches. How am I going to, what am I going to do in this room? You suppose you ever got like that? Do you ever get like that? Yeah. And Paul probably got like that. <laughs> right? 
wishing he could get back to what God called him to do, plant churches. Instead, he counted it all joy. And 2,000 years later, Paul's greatest contribution to us was not the churches he planted. It was the letters he wrote while he was still a captive. Don't miss that. Words like rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. The man knew what he was talking about. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. You ever wonder what the will of God for you is? You don't have to wonder that. He wrote it down. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So what do you need from the Holy Spirit tonight? You got your little card there. We're gonna do something going to have some ministry time, but after that, fire teams can go out. There's fire pits around the camp. Um, they're lighting them up, um, and you're going to go pray around those fire pits. And on your card, if you need to be set free from something, Jesus wants to afaces you. He wants to release you. Write that on your card. Whatever it is that you need to be free of. On one side, put whatever it is you want to be free from. Those things have been purchased for you. You've already been forgiven. You can be free. Take off the chain. And on the other side, I want you to put whatever you want to be free to become. For yourself, for your family maybe, for others. Do you have a vision of what freedom for you and Christ actually looks like as husbands, fathers, employees, whatever, friends in the community, whatever. Ultimately, as a son of God, put that vision down. God wants you to be free to become that, to take that back. Jesus wants to eleutheria you. He wants to liberate you so that your light shines for others before all men and that your very presence automatically sets other people free. That's what he's calling you to. Put that on your card. As you go out with your fire teams and as you engage with these fire pits, pray together. And when you're ready, and I encourage you, fellas, share with your fire team what's on your card. You don't have to do that. But how do we overcome according to scripture? By the blood of the lamb, which was already shed for you, and what? The word of our testimony. When you speak things, they have power. So speak it. Speak it to your fire team. Share it with them. Pray into it. And then toss that card as a burnt offering into the fire. And I will tell you, this is our 12th annual boot camp. I've been staring at that thing all weekend long. I've been to 12 of them. Everything I have ever written on this card and burnt in that fire has been totally 
gone from my life. We're not messing around here. This is time to get free of some stuff and get free to become someone new. Let the Lord set you free. In fact, at the very first boot camp, I wrote some stuff on the card and we burnt it at the, and that was out of the old camp, it was called Camp Rio Vista. And the little fire pits, they weren't actually pits, they were like little brick pillars they had built up around the camp and they'd put the fires on top of them. And it was such a powerful moment. I knew as soon as I put the card in the fire and burnt it, like I felt something shift in me immediately. Like, wow, I, something happened. Something just happened in me, spiritually. And I was restless all night long. I really didn't sleep. It was kind of amped up. It was like something has shifted. Like something in my life has changed. And at, at dawn the next morning, before the sun even came up, I walked out across the camp to that brick pillar where our, where our fire team had their little fire <clears throat> to see. I just want to see, is that thing really gone? You know, I was expecting, you know, maybe the smoldering ashes. And, and I get out there, and this brick pillar is completely clear. There's not an ash, nothing. It's totally gone. And the Lord was like, see, I took care of that. What? It's totally, there's not a twig, there's not an ash, there's not an ember, nothing. It's totally gone. It's totally clean. It's just clean bricks on top. Wow, what an amazing thing. Uh, I walk back, we have the rest of the boot camp, and later that uh, day, I'm telling uh, Will Duggar, who was leader, one of the leaders of like, that camp, I was like, dude, I just had this incredible experience. So I went out there, and the, the, even the ash was gone. And he just laughed. <laughs> he was like, well, that's because after everybody went to bed, we drove around <laughs> with buckets of water, and, <laughs> and uh, we were just putting out the fire. We were like trying to be good stewards of the camp. You know, we were, like, didn't want the things burning all night long. <laughs> the Lord was like, yeah, it's kind of funny, huh? But that thing is still gone. Amen. Amen. So on one side of that card, fellas, if you need to get free from something, surrender it. And on the other side of that card, whatever you want to be free to become, son of God, sons of God, Mighty sons of God, dangerous men for the kingdom. You make that be your vision. Surrender that to the Lord as a burnt offering. I have no idea what time it is. Yes, I do. I have a watch. There's a device. If only there was a device that told time. We're going to have, we'll have the prayer, the leadership team, we'll have guys up here to pray. If you come up for prayer, fire teams, don't leave until your whole team is together. Um, but if you need prayer, you want prayer, we're here for that. But truly, there's nothing magic about us praying for you. You can do this with your fire team. You can do it right now. Don't wait to get free. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, now's the time to come and do what you do best. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High, that you all would receive fully what the Holy Spirit has for you 
Holy Spirit, come upon us. We're done standing in the lobby. We want to move into the house. We want to live there with you. Amen. Thanks, fellas.